The fear of God is not an optional thing. Not something that you discard, you're just like, I'm not gonna go there with that, I want to live this kind of way. Well, I guess you can live that kind of way, but you will know nothing of the sweet power and touch of an intimate relationship with the Lord. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loritz. Crawford is leading us through a series of messages titled Awestruck. We're getting a fresh look at what it means to fear God from a biblical perspective. Hope you can stay with us. Crawford is the former pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. The messages featured on Living a Legacy represent his 15 years spent at Fellowship. Crawford is also the author of several books and now heads a ministry called Beyond Our Generation, which seeks to provide mentoring resources for those in Christian leadership. We are nearing the end of our series, and so far we've looked at the biblical definition of fear from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, the blessing of fear, according to Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14, and today, making fear your friend. Crawford will take us to Psalm 34, verses 8 through 18, to examine five ways in which God's fear can become our friend. If you're just now joining us for the series, at the end of today's teaching, I'll tell you how to easily get caught up. Again, our text, Psalm 34. Let's join Crawford Loretz for today's Living a Legacy. The fear of the Lord is different from what we would normally think about fear in our culture. And I've said this repeatedly. The fear of God is not a dysfunctional fear. It's not a fear uh, out of the fact that, we, you know, sometimes we, we project back on God the, the, the mess and the, the, the abuse of power and, uh, and the authority figures who have used us and this kind of thing, and it's like one of these things. No, that's not necessarily the fear. That's not the fear of God at all. God is not dysfunctional. God is not abusive. His fear is pure. It is right, and his fear, the fear of the Lord is transformative. It is for our good and for his glory and for our change. It's for Christ's likeness. It is for the demonstration of his nature and holiness in the context of human history. Part of the problem that we have is that we've brought into a brand of Christianity that likes to, likes to domesticate God. In other words, we want a God that, 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 that is sort of like our mega assistant coming alongside of me and translating my desires and my wants and my, my aspirations into reality and minimizing the stress, struggle, and strains and discomfort that I might have to go through in life. So we want this God that meets us where we are, but we don't necessarily want a God that makes us to go beyond where we want to be. And that's a problem. And so we end up, we end up uh, uh, acting as if God needs a publicist or God needs somebody to market him or God needs somebody to clean up his image because after all, we want people to respond to him and so he's got to be likable. But that's not the God of the Bible. God does not need a publisher. God does not need a marketer. God does not need somebody to sort of like uh, uh, rub off and, and round off and smooth off his rough edges. No, he's God. And the fear of God is to be delightfully addictive. It, it is, it is kind of like, it's kind of like, and I used these illustrations before, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a going to the Grand Tetons and seeing that, a, going to the Grand Canyon and, or, or standing at Table Mountain in South Africa where the Indian Ocean and the and Atlantic Ocean comes together, seeing these breathtaking things that, that, are, that are wonderfully dangerous. And what it does to you, it doesn't cause you to shrink back from it. You want to go and see it again. And that's what the fear of God is. It, it, it draws us 
it draws us to himself. Now, I want to say a couple of things here this morning that, you know, when you teach preaching and speaking, you say don't start off negative, but we got to start off truthfully. I, I do want to say this here, that the fear of God is not an option. To not fear God, well, there, there are consequences. You, you just don't make up your mind, well, well you know, I, that's, not where I, that's not where I'm at. That's not what I want to do. I'm not going to fear the Lord. I, I'll have this brand of Christian, but I'm not going to. No, that's not an option. It's not on the table, especially if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus. Uh, let me just say it this way, and I hope this doesn't turn anybody off, but I, guess I just got to tell you, to be transparent and honest with you, you will fear God. Everybody will fear God. Uh, Spurgeon put it this way. Uh, he said, those eyes which have no fear of God before them now shall have the terror of hell before them forever. And that's what Philippians 2 says. There is a point in time, you may not bow now, but there is a point in time that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And every means every, every means every, every means every. And so the fear of God is not an optional thing. Not something that you discard, you're just like, I'm not gonna go there with that, I want to live this kind of way. Well, I guess you can live that kind of way. You can live that kind of way, but you will know nothing of the sweet power and touch and transforming joy of an intimate relationship with the Lord. Spurgeon puts it this way, there's another quote. In my reading, I came across this marvelous descriptive definition of fear that actually sets us up for what I mean by making fear your friend or nurturing the fear of the Lord. Uh, Look at this with me. Spurgeon says, fearing God means to pay to him humble, childlike reverence, walk in his laws, have respect to his will, tremble to offend him, and hasten to serve him. Embedded in that descriptive definition, there are processes, there are means by which we experience, we come to know, and we nurture the fear, the fear of the Lord. Have you ever met someone uh, who wanted to be your friend, but in your mind you're thinking, uh, I'm not in your league. Why, why do you want to be my friend? You ever meet somebody like that, somebody that just moves toward you and you go, man, wow, you want to, why would you want to have a relationship with me? I remember many, many years ago, uh, boy, this is probably back in 1978, 79, I was a, uh, young staff member with Campus Crusade for Christ, and I had this vision, this thing that I, this project that I wanted to do. I was out in California, and Dr. Bright, who was a founder and president of Campus Crusade, invited me to go to this uh, uh, meeting. It was a donor event where major donors, and he wanted me to share with uh, these group of donors what was on my heart. So uh, I was excited, uh, and I shared, I did share. Well. There was a man there, and I won't use name drop or anything like that. Let's just say he was extraordinarily well-known. He came up to me, and he said, you know, I want to help make that happen, young man. And not only do I want to make that happen, you know, I'd like to stay in touch with you. I'd like to find out more about what you're doing, who you are, and this kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never particularly wrestled with low self-esteem, but I'm thinking, this dude wants to be my friend, wants to stay in touch with me. I said, man, I, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what to do with that. 
But isn't it remarkable that verse that we've been anchoring this series to, Psalm 25, verse 14 says, for, for, for the friendship of the Lord. <laughs> Think about this. This is remarkable. For the friendship of the Lord, the intimacy of things of the Lord, the intimate things of the Lord belong to those who fear him. That's an astonishing verse, that God, the God of the universe, only moves toward those folks who fear him. He wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. The question is, then how do you cultivate that? Notice the qualifier is those who fear him, though. Those who fear him. So how do we, how do we nurture the fear of the Lord? How do we make the fear of the Lord, and I know this is counterintuitive, how do we make the fear of the Lord our friend? What do we do to make it our friend? This is one of these messages where the, uh, uh, actually the application is in the passage, and there needs to be very little application because David gives us uh, what this means. I, I could have gone all over the Bible and chased down things, but there, here, in, here in one place, David outlines the five ways in which we can nurture the fear of the Lord. The five ways in which God's fear, his fear, can become, can become our, our friend, how we nurture that. The first way is found in verse, verse eight. Number one is that we Take time to experience him. Take time to experience him. Uh, this speaks of closeness. Listen to what he says. He says here in verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The idea here is try and experience. That's what he's saying. Try and experience. You, you, you come here. Try and experience, experience God for yourself. The idea is to look for yourself in order to learn for yourself. You know, there are more people who talk about God than have a relationship with him, and I'm not just talking about unbelievers. We can make the terrible assumption that our spiritual disciplines in and of themselves represent our relationship with God rather than the pathways to that relationship. You know, it is possible to read your Bible every day and to journal every day and to go through your prayer list every day and not nurture a relationship with God. It is possible to do that as a mere, mere performance. It is possible to go to Bible studies. It is possible to go to small groups. It is possible even to sit in a discipleship group and be more enamored with the process and the content than the person himself, God himself. I've run into a number of Christians like that. Frankly, I have to be careful about that because there's a goal orientation side of my personality where I like to click things off. And you can do these things and still not nurture a relationship with God. He says, taste and see. You cannot enjoy God from a distance. You can't do it. The fear of the Lord draws us in. It draws us to God. It draws us to himself. I can pick on a number of personalities in the Bible, but Moses, let's just look at him. And when he gets to the burning bush, and God says, take off your shoes, come here, come close. Whenever he calls us close, he discloses his heart to us. And now Sinai, when he gives the moral law, he gives the Ten Commandments, he says, come here, come close. 
His tent of meeting that he had every day and the glory of God shone, uh, uh, covered that temple and he went in uh, leading 2.5 million Israelites and he went in a tent and said, God help me and God would speak to him, come close. Oh, even Elisha, when Elisha was burnt out and uh, overworked and uh, Jezebel's coming after him and God says, hey, come close, come to Sinai, taste yeah, I'm omnipotent, yeah, I'm holy, yeah, I'm omnipresent, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 all, I'm, I'm omniscient, I'm, I'm all of this stuff, I'm immutable, I'm all of this stuff, I'm, unch- I'm all of this. But all of this is for you. Come here. Come close. Taste and see that the Lord is good. A number of years ago, I was in Grenada, uh, many years ago, the Caribbean there, and uh, I was speaking down there, and so this is my, my first visit, this, this, uh, I went to this luncheon, and so the host uh, there at the luncheon, I, I mean, they had this incredible seafood there, and, and that's, that's one of my weaknesses, you know, that all the, well, you, you look at me and say, that ain't all this seafood either. Um, I got it. it, was, it and, but, but there was this one salad thing there, and... Uh, the, 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 the host said, Crawford, uh, I, want you to, I want you to try this. And so I'm saying, uh, well, <clears throat> what is it? <laughs> I ain't into mystery meat, you know what I'm saying? I said, well, what, what is this? He said, uh, no, just, just try it. And so I, he said, Prom- I promise you, just, just try it. I, I tasted that stuff. I got a plate full of that stuff. It was amazing. It was amazing. Then after I'd eaten it, I said, now, will you please tell me what I just ate? He said, you just had conch salad. I said, you mean, you mean that little slimy sucker that's in this big thing? That, that's what, that's it. Uh-huh. I said, shut your mouth, man. I didn't eat that. <laughs> yes, you did. And I loved it. If you'd have told me that, I would have never eaten that stuff. So I'm, I'm in the conch salad, conch fritters. Not while this, I'm getting away from the message here. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we have all these caricatures of God. We have all these false assumptions of who he is. Even believers have defenses around our hearts. He invites us to taste and see and to walk into reckless abandonment. He is so good. Are you experiencing that? Are you nurturing your relationship with God? Taste and see. So the very first thing is, is that, you know, we, we come close. The second way that we nurture this fear of the Lord, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because it's, it, it is obvious here in the passage, but I'll say it anyway. Secondly, we've got to, well, decide to fear him. Decide to fear him. There, there is a, there's a command here in verse 9. It says, this is a command. This is not just some marvelous declaration. He says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Isn't it interesting that he makes an emotion an imperative? In other words, he commands an emotion. He says, no, fear the Lord, O you his saints. 
And by the way, you, his saints, is important here because I think the relationship, although it's not stated, there's a little bit of an ellipsis here, meaning that if we are related to him, we are to continue to fear him. The signature of being related to God and have a relationship with God means that I revere God, I respect God. Now, getting back to the command here, in the context, fear the Lord is the idea, it means worship in this context, but worship is another way of saying fear. If you're uncomfortable with the word fear, although you shouldn't because the Bible uses it, worship and fear is synonymous. It is attributing worth to God. It comes from an old English word, worth-ship, declaring his worthiness. Because of profound, deep respect that we have for the Lord. And this, com- this is a command and not just simply an, an involuntary response. Oh, you don't have to tell me to fear God. It'll just come over me. Well, no, it won't. Our hearts are prone to wander. We're prone to self-control. We're prone to do what we want to do. Every last one of us in varying degrees. None of us really, if the truth be told, like to be told what to do even by God. And so we've got to decide to fear the Lord. You see, our our attitudes change when our thinking changes. You see, your mind is the soul's eye. We're never going to have, in a sustainable way, in a sustainable, you cannot, emotional decisions will never sustain change. It It won't make it lasting. And see, the problem that I'm having here, I stand up here, I realize that, man, I am so out of sync here because this is not the way our culture thinks. We live in a society right now that thinks with its feelings. Everything has to be validated emotionally before people move on to things. That's the reason why it's my truth, it is my journey, it's how I feel about certain things, you don't make me do anything, this kind of thing. And, and to speak in requirement language and to speak in imperatives or to speak in, in a didactic ways, a suggesting that people have to be objective and to do stuff that they don't like is anathema in our culture. And that stuff spills over in our churches. And so we have this incremental approach to our walk and relationship with God. Well, what the danger is this is that we have, again, as I said, we've domesticated God and we've brought God down to the level of our preferences. And yet these commands in the Bible fear God. It is a decision and a choice to subordinate myself to the authority of Almighty God. And have we made that decision? It's like, no, kids who are prodigal teenagers. And we kind of go down this avenue with them. We say, you know, I got to, oh, well, you know, he's a little disrespectful and this kind of thing. And, you know, he raises his voice every once in a while at me and cusses at me and this kind of thing. But, you know, I want him to be my friend. And, uh, and I don't want to bruise that relationship, so I'll tolerate that a little bit. After all, you know, kids, they kiss the boundaries, and they've got to experience life for themselves and this kind of thing. And, you know, and, and, you know, and yeah, what harvest are you getting from that? Now, I just have to say, and this is old school here, but, you know, I just, I just got to say, I didn't grow up that way, man. My dad said, hey, look, boy, I don't care how you feel. I can change your feelings. <laughs> just... Call it what you want to call it, but that's not like the way I grew up, man. You know, uh, he ain't going to get in some fetal position because I don't like what he asked me to do. That ain't going to happen. I might get in a fetal position, but he ain't going there. 
And God says, no, no, I'm God, you're not. I'm sovereign, you're not. I know what's best for you, you just think you do. And let's start with the baseline here. The baseline for this journey is your decision, Crawford. Decide to fear me. You know, this may sound strange to you, but I actually believe, I actually believe a lot of us have never made that decision. We decide to fear him because we understand that to become respectful is a decision. But thirdly, we listen and learn from his people. Where do you get that from? Well, look, he says in verse 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Don't get sloppy with the pronoun here. You could, if you read this quickly, you could assume that the pronoun I means God. No, 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 that's not, it doesn't mean God. David is referring to himself here. He's not saying I, meaning God will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, listen, he, he puts himself, he says, look, 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 let me teach you what I've learned about the fear of the Lord. Um, um, um. Oh, come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you, I will teach you the fear, the fear of the Lord. By the way, the word children there, children. He's not talking, he said, now this psalm is, is, you know, if you're 12 and under, I'm writing a psalm for you. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about all of us as being children, uh, childlike in our posture. And I think what David is suggesting is, is that uh, he's implying that we're to, we, we're to maintain a teachable, dependent attitude. There's a relationship between pride and experience that is dangerous. Sometimes older folks call themselves mature when they're really cynical. When you cannot be taught, you're in a dangerous place. When you cannot be corrected, you're in a dangerous place. If somebody cannot look in the eye and tell you something, you're constantly reacting to them, you're in a dangerous place. So I think what David is saying here, look, look, oh children, oh children, oh children, maintain, maintain, maintain that posture. And he says, listen to me. The idea of watch and learn how to fear the Lord from those who have walked with the Lord for a while. Crawford Lorenz here on Living a Legacy. And that was the first part of his message, Making Fear Your Friend. Here's what we've learned so far. How do we nurture or find friendship in the fear of the Lord? First, take time to experience Him. Second, we must decide to fear God. And number three, we listen and learn from His people. Crawford will add to this list next week. We are in a series called Awestruck, What It Means to Fear God. And if you've just joined us in the series, no problem. You can hear the previous messages on our website. Stream them anytime. Go to livingalegacy.org and click on the link Past Programs, livingalegacy.org, or download the messages for free. Look for the MP3 link near the upper right-hand corner of our webpage. And let me mention this once again. If you're a longtime listener to Living a Legacy, we'd be so grateful to hear from you. You've heard from Crawford. Now check in. Let us know you're there. We'll even provide the virtual paper and pencil. Go to livingalegacy.org and you'll find a link called Contact. There's a form right there whereby you can add a few comments. Just a couple sentences is all it takes. Livingalegacy.org. Thank you so much. We'll look for you again next week right here 
For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.